You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey of Sparking Wholeness Podcast, and I'm sitting here with Lee Richardson of the In Your Head Podcast, and we decided that we were going to do a simulcast today. So whether you're listening to this episode on In Your Head or Sparking Wholeness, we hope that this is just going to be a great discussion about what wellness is and what it looks like and how things are changing, right, Lee? Right. And you know, Erin, thank you so much for partnering with me today because we both come at well, we both come at wellness in different ways. But what I've noticed is that since COVID, there's we've really opened our eyes and we we all know we've got to do some self-care. And we've got we have got to pay attention to ourselves and what we need. And I'm not saying that we didn't need it before COVID. We did. But we really need it now. I mean, we've, I think if we look at what stress has done in the last couple of years to the brain, to the body, to how you eat, how you sleep, we all know that we need to really start to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, I, and that was my hope when the whole pandemic began is that it would draw attention to the fact that we already had an epidemic of mental health issues. We already had people who were struggling with stress and anxiety and burnout. I mean, burnout was already being talked about. And so when the pandemic hit, I was like, yes, okay. So now we're going to talk about real life strategies and tools to get better. But that's not exactly how it turned out. And I, I mean, we're talking about it and that's why this episode is so important. I think people like us are talking about it. You own the Brain Performance Center in Dallas. And so you are dedicated to helping to regulate the brain and improving cognitive function and brain performance. And I love talking about things from a food inflammation perspective and what is food doing to our microbiome and how is our microbiome affecting our brain? So we come at it in that way. What are your thoughts behind that when what's happened? Well, I think people, you know, have come to the realization that they can't depend upon medication. You know, a lot of people, it used to think, well, if I just got the right prescription, you know, yeah. figure that out and give me the right prescription and that'll fix me. And, and now what we see in the future is a lot of the things that are coming that are pharmaceutical, they may be available over the counter. So mm-hmm. you still have to know how to manage them. You still have to figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And what I've really seen people understand, they want to understand they don't want, they used to just, can you fix me, Lee? Can right. you just kind of <laughs> sprinkle some of that magic dust over my brain and make it work better? And I'd be, well, I wish, but that's not the way it rolls. But now they want to understand it and they want to know what their options are. And when I think of fitness, because for, you know, for six weeks, the gym that I belong to was closed down and I had to rethink fitness. Oh, I'm not just going to, get up and go to the gym. Um, You know, I'm going to have to take this into my own and figure out what to do with it. And I did. And I I felt such a sense of accomplishment Mm -hmm. from that. And I like going to the gym. I like group classes, but I also like knowing that when push comes to shove, I can, I can take care of myself Mm -hmm. on it, you know, get my physical exercise and take care of what I need to. 
Yeah, I think there's a personal advocacy there that we all have to find. And I think that a lot there were while there were, you know, a portion of people who were discouraged and felt stuck and were like, well, I'm just going to order in and I'm going to get my to go margaritas and have a happy hour every day. You know, I think that what we are seeing now and you recently you sent me this article about the wellness industry and how it is growing by leaps and bounds is that we are seeing a portion of people who are like, okay, I'm taking my health into my own hands because we've seen all the back and forth information and we've seen things change like crazy to where it's time. It's like, okay, I've got to be my own best health advocate. I have to be the CEO of my own health. And it can be a lot of fun. You know, Mm -hmm. it really, really can. I mean, what I sent you was wellness in, in 2030 and how that's all about being connected and staying connected. And, you know, they, it, I, I was very disappointed when I read the report. It named six categories, six wellness categories, health, fitness, nutrition, appearance, sleep, and mindfulness. And those are all very important. But what about the brain? What about yeah. mental health? I mm-hmm. mean, are we just going to include that in health? Um, and, and I'm cool with that because I think mental health is just as important as physical health. And in some ways it's more important, but I think that we all need to stop and and kind of define what does health mean? What does wellness mean for me? And it, it, it starts with the most basic things. And I can't tell you how many people have sleep issues that come to the brain performance center. I'm so glad that you mentioned sleep because I agree. And I, again, it's one of those things did it, ha- was it happening before the pandemic? And now it's just gotten worse, but I'm seeing that as well with a lot of my clients that I coach. And it's like, well, how do you, how do you establish uh, help? I mean, sleep is foundational for everything. So, I mean, what would you say? What, what do you tell people? Because I know what I tell people, but I'd love to hear from you. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what I tell them kind of puts a little bit of fear in them. I said, you know, all day long, those neurons and dendrites, man, they're wiring and firing away and they're creating toxic waste. Mm. And that toxic waste just stays in the brain until you go to sleep. Then you have those glial cells that come out and they clean that mess up. And that kind of gives them a visual that they can, I, I'll see them go, hmm, I, you know, and so, and then I'll say, and the amazing thing is how much research is coming out now that supports Alzheimer's being linked to insomnia. And it's, that kind of gets their attention. Now, does that get their attention enough to create lifestyle changes? Sometimes and sometimes not. But when I ask, well, what time do you go to bed? Well, I don't know. And I think the pandemic really did impact this Mm -hmm. because we no longer had to be up at a certain time, be in our car on a certain time, get to get to the office at a certain time. We just kind of rolled through it. And so I do think that a lot of the the loss of structure um, where I used to go, you know, I have clients who used to go to bed because they knew what time they had to be up and moving and they lost that with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. but well, you know, I, I just pick up my phone and then I, I, I get lost. And then I look up and it's two hours later. Oh. And what, what does that do for you? 
oh, the screens, the screens are the devil. I mean, they're not, they're a necessary evil. Right. And I think we've probably talked about this before on a show, but it's true that the thing about that blue light is it blocks melatonin. It blocks our brain from being able to produce melatonin. And so if we are constantly, and of course you can wear the blue light blockers and you know, that's, that's a good start, but anytime after the sun goes down, if we have that fake artificial light being thrown at us, it tells our brain, Ooh, time to wake up. And one thing that I like to remind people, especially the women who are trying to lose weight, maybe they gained the COVID-19 pounds or whatever it is or beyond. I, I tell them that that 10 30 PM is huge because anytime after 10 30 PM that you're awake, your body's like, Ooh, I better pump out some more cortisol because we are still going. And that excess cortisol turns to fat. Right. And so then, like you said, the glial cells, all the other cleanup systems that are happening overnight when we're supposed to be sleeping are not happening. And our body goes more into storage mode than clean out mode. And it sets us up on that vicious cycle because the next day we're hungrier. We're craving salty foods. We're trying to restore our bodies from the increase in cortisol, the increase in stress hormones, you know? So it's, it really is important to have a bedtime and a wake time, just like you would with your baby, have one for yourself. Well, you know, and, and even more than that, I was so interested during the pandemic, Microsoft did a study. They were looking at why are their workers just so fatigued? How can we address, you know, meeting fatigue? And so they did their own little experiment was a two week experiment. They had 14 people participating. And the first, the first week they capped everybody up. They put a QEEG cap on their head, just like I do. And I want to know what's going on in the brain. And they had them go through their normal morning. And that was four 30 minute meetings. Boom, 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 boom. And, you know, very different subjects, just, you know, catch, catch, catch as you can. And they recorded those brainwaves. Second week, they had them come back and they told them, okay, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to do your four 30 minute meetings. They're going to vary. But between each meeting, we're going to take a 10 minute break and we're going to have you uh, use a, an app called Calm to do some mindfulness. And it could have been anything. I'm sure they selected what it was so that it could be a continuous variable. But they, and they, they recorded the brainwaves and what they saw in the change of the brainwaves. That's my talk. I mean, the answers in the data was that if you could give that brain, I mean, a 10 minute break isn't that long, but it allows the brain to reset. And it, that cumulative stress, it just, when you go from one meeting to another meeting, to another meeting, to another, that stress just builds and builds and builds. And it impacts your ability to engage and stay focused. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was amazed at what they learned with a 10 minute break and how that helped with that meeting fatigue. And the cool thing was, was they built it into their software. So that people that want to utilize that and schedule a 10 minute break into their day, they can't. I mean, and for me, I thought, you know, they're, they're really Microsoft did more than just look at the digital intensity and the neurological consequences. They stopped and they thought, you know, they looked at a person as a whole person. Yeah. Okay. This, how do we help the whole person be able to do their job and do it in a way that they're productive and they're, they feel efficient and effective. 
So, and I think that's how we're going to bring about change with our wellness is to stop. And, you know, we started off saying what's more basic than sleep. Yep. What's more, what's more basic than a break and break. Yeah. Just a 10 minute break. And now to throw this into your wheelhouse, what's more basic than nutrition? Gosh, because we've overcomplicated that. I mean, I was just watching, I mean, you just go through Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or everybody has a different opinion on what the perfect diet is. And in my opinion, the perfect diet is the way that you can eat where you feel like you have good sustained energy. You sleep well at night. You're not crashing mid afternoon because you're on the blood sugar roller coaster. And that's going to look different for everybody. Some people are going to require more protein. Some people might need a high fat diet. Some people might need a little bit more carbs. Everybody's so different, but it goes back to that being your own play with it and be your own health advocate, your own CEO of your health. Because what I say as a coach or what any other health and nutrition expert says that works for them is going to work different for your unique body, you know? And so we have a lot of nutrition noise. A lot of people saying, well, you can't do this. You have to do this. My husband currently is doing the carnivore diet (laughs) and that is, and and it's interesting. He's he feels amazing. Now he is eating some fruit and on the weekend, you know, he might have some chips and salsa here and there. We are in Texas overall, but after all, I mean, but, um, yeah, but I mean, he feels really good when he's eating a lot of quality. And of course we're getting the grass fed pasture raised, all of that quality animal protein and a little bit of fruit. And that has given him a lot of energy and he feels great. He doesn't have any sugar cravings or cravings for anything else. I couldn't do that. I need vegetables. I need a lot of vegetables. That's what works for me. And so I think sometimes we just have to, everybody has to take their own kind of investigative journey into their health going, well, you know what, this week, maybe I'm going to add, I like to tell people just have five vegetables a day and see what happens. Just have five vegetables, maybe five different colors to really get some diversity there because diversity and the color means diversity of phytonutrients. It's going to feed your microbiome differently, but just start with five and see how you feel. If you like it, maybe add five more. You want to get up to 25 in a week for microbial diversity in the gut, because that is key for having that brain health, brain regulation. And sure, you can get it from fruit and sure protein from meat can provide you with the minerals that you don't always get from different sources, but I'm a big fan of vegetables. That's what works for me. And I, I like to have other people kind of play with it, like see what works best for them because everybody's so different. Well, they are, you know, and it's so interesting for me. I found out what works best for me is to stay away from processed foods. Mm, and that's huge. If, it, if it comes in a bag, a box, a can, mm-hmm. if it's good for two years, then there's yep. something in there that's probably not good for you. Mm-hmm. And I get asked for diet advice every week. And my only advice is that, you know, stay away from processed foods, yep. because if you eat what's natural, I think that mm-hmm. opens the door and helps you kind of find your way to, wow, what do I enjoy? Remember that book? I mean, it must've been 20 years ago about eat for your blood type. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this for a long time and mm-hmm. I think we're going to be talking about it for a lot longer yeah. until we all accept the value 
that nutrition has. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the processed foods because that's one of the things that's the hardest for people because of the impact that it has on our brains. It does play a role in those neuropathways, right? It plays a role in dopamine and serotonin regulation, and they have created a bliss point in most processed foods to where you can keep eating and eating and eating and your brain goes, Oh, I need more of that. I'm not full. I'm no, I need more, you know? And so that's real tricky. So just limiting that and getting off of that and getting onto the natural, was it made from nature? Was, is it a, is it a plant? Is, did it come from a plant like that? That's the most helpful tool to get back to the basics and going, okay, what do I actually like? Cause some people just need to readjust their taste buds. Cause we are hooked on whatever it is that they put in processed foods. They spend a lot of money creating these engineered foods to hook us to, to truly addict our brains, you know, and that's something that we have to remember. Well, you know, and we get addicted in other ways too. I mean, we all have our comfort food Mm -hmm. and when we're down, when we're out, you know, oh, I, you know, I can still remember as a little kid growing up, whenever I was sick, my mom would make me a baked potato and that's actually not bad. Yeah. considering it's better than a frozen pizza, or, <laughs> but you know, a baked potato, just a little bit of butter, salt and pepper. And now whenever I feel down, I'm like, I need a baked potato. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, a lot better than, you know, like the canned chicken noodle soup or whatever that's filled with all the preservatives. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> but it is, but we all have our comfort food. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes like I had a client and very, so she had some substantial physical issues going on as as well as suffering with some mental. And, you know, she said, I just can't believe my doctor expects me to quit eating fried chicken. I have to have fried Mm. chicken every week. And I said, well, why do you have to have it? And she said, well, my family, they depend on me. It's a family meal. It's what we have every Sunday. Mm. And I said, your family can do without fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she was kind of like, yeah, they probably could, <laughs> but she didn't want to do without fried chicken. So she used them as, as a scapegoat on, you know, why she couldn't change. So I, yeah. I encourage everybody to find, I mean, find what's important to you. And I certainly have my things that are less healthy than others. And I feel like if I keep them in balance, then I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that when we are, when there is a comfort food that we have, I think it's, that's a great time to practice mindfulness and, and ask ourselves, what is it that I'm actually craving right now? Do, do I need this food, this substance, or do I need a hug? <laughs> you know, Do I yeah. need to call somebody? Do I need a friend to talk to? Because I, I think that we are all still coming out of this almost collective trauma type of whiplash of what in the world is going on with the world right now. We are. And, and, you know, before we couldn't necessarily walk out, walk out of, out of our office and go down to the next office and talk to somebody but we can now. And I think you bring up such a good point because loneliness, when we're lonely, we indulge in risky behavior. Mm -hmm. We, and for some of us, you know, maybe it's food, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, maybe it's sex, maybe it's spending money. There's a lot of different ways that we can go with that, that are, that get us out of balance. And, you know, 
once you once you get out of balance, you you get that negative self-talk going in the brain, man. You know, and I got to tell you about these two, these two friends I used to have. They were should and must. (laughs) Lee, you should do that. Lee, you must do that. And then when I didn't do it, you know, of course I didn't. They had these other friends they brought out. Shame and blame. Well, shame Ooh, on you. Shame mm-hmm. on you, Lee. It's all your fault that those things didn't happen for you. You didn't do what you were supposed to. So anything that you can do to not let that negative self-talk get, you know, don't let that chit-chat get going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it gets going is when we're lonely mm-hmm. and when we feel isolated and when we feel like we don't count. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that negativity, it is so toxic that it impacts the way we digest food. So if we're eating something, we're like, Oh, I really shouldn't have this. This is horrible. I can, well, yeah, now your body's not going to digest it because now you just stressed yourself out. And you know, the thing I always say, a body in stress won't digest. So if you're sitting there and you're stressed about what you're eating, maybe take a step back take a few breaths and go, okay, is this what I really need right now? At least allow yourself a chance to make a choice instead of just being reactionary to your circumstances. And I often tell people, if you're going to choose to have a treat, you know, a treat food, whatever that is for you, do it on the weekend when you're already more, maybe more relaxed. Maybe you're enjoying yourself. You've had some time to rest. Maybe you've taken a nap. You can wake up, you can go out to eat. You can have that meal that you've been thinking about the whole week and looking forward to it because you're choosing that not on a Tuesday night when you're frustrated with your kids and your husband, and you had to do an extra thing, you know, and that's when we find ourselves reactionary eating and we're already stressed and we have inflammation going from, you know, the stress hormones in our body and our gut is shutting down and altering, you know, all the bacteria and the microbes there. And then we're not digesting what it is that we're eating. And so I think that that is so important that how it all works together and even going back to those, what was it? The six, um, components of wellness, you know, I think that it, it has it in different categories, but so many of those things go together, the mindfulness and the health and, it all kind of tangles together. And I think maybe that's something that people are realizing now that they didn't before is that so much is connected and we can't compartmentalize anymore. No, we can. And, and you know, in the last year I brought in um, some new biofeedback and it, it, what it does is it increases cellular communication between oh, the body wow. and the brain. And I'll tell, I'll tell all my clients, the body keeps score of mm. everything mm. that's going on in your brain. Mm-hmm. And We've got to make sure that we don't get that because once the brain and the body stop talking, then you get stuck in that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Don't know what to do. Don't know what to do. And when I, you know, when I think about, you mentioned mindfulness, and I think that that is one thing that we can all do. You don't need, I talked about Microsoft study. They had their people use an app. You don't need an app. You know, you don't need anything except to, to stay present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And Harvard University, Harvard Health, that's one of my favorite online sources, says that 80% of us are either lost in the past or we're worried about the future. Only 20% of us can really stay present in the moment. And it, 
you know, to stay present in the moment. One of my favorite things to do is just stop and think about what am I grateful for? And you know what? Sometimes every day it's the same, it's the same thing. But what's wrong with that? And, I, you know, when I work with people on, you know, their gratefulness journey and I'll say, well, I can't, you know, I always say the same thing. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with that? That's consistency. <laughs> that's being in, t- that's being in touch with your core values. I mean, there's a lot of goodness in that and knowing what you're thankful for, because, you know, Erin, as well as I do every day, we have three times more positive events in our life. But what does the brain remember? The negative, mm-hmm. you know, you'll have one negative thing, that one person that cuts you off at the stop sign or that one, that one person that gave you the evil eye. And <laughs> that's what the brain remembers. That's what the brain's trained to remember. Well, you know, it's the same brain that we had back in the caveman days when you'd walk out and it was eat or be eaten. It's mm-hmm. the same brain. So that brain, two thirds of the cells uh, on the right hemisphere are scanning for danger mm-hmm. and it remembers the negative, but you've got three times more positive every single day. Yeah. So what do you tell people to help them focus on the positive? Oh gosh. I mean, I do the same as far as gratitude. I'm always reminding people to do great. Cause that's something that's been so helpful for me. And I think just learning to tune in to those signals, the whole body signals, because our bodies let us know, you know, if we're feeling tense, we feel it physically in our bodies. And so sometimes it's doing a body scan and checking in and going, okay, where, what, what am I feeling right now? And allowing ourselves to feel is a big deal. I think for me, you know, growing up because I did struggle with mood imbalances and all the mental health issues and everything, I think it was hard for me to know what a, a real human emotion was, right. (laughs) And what is, is this a side effect of the med? Is this my brain going crazy? Is this like, what is this? But it's okay to feel emotion. You know, it's okay to feel worried. It's okay to, cause worry, fear, worry, anxiety, all that is protection. Like you said, it goes back to the caveman days. Those are, those are what we've been given to protect us. And I recently read a really cool study about, I don't know if you call it a tribe, a group of gorillas or a group of, um, I always want to say gorillas. I think it was chimpanzees that, um, they basically this, these researchers, they took the anxious chimps outside of the tribe because, well, they were anxious. They wanted to see what would happen when they got rid of the anxious ones. And within six months, the entire tribe was dead. They were gone. The anxious ones were the ones that were keeping everybody alive because they were extra sensitive. They were alert. And so I think for a lot of people, in order to switch out of that state of fight or flight and switch out of that anxiety mode. And it's sometimes we have to just acknowledge it, say hello to it, (laughs) lean into it and go, Oh, I'm feeling anxious today. What does my body want to tell me? What does my body want to tell me that my brain isn't ready to process? Cause like you said, the body keeps score. Sometimes our body is telling us before our brain wants to pick up on it. So a lot of it is just looking inward and asking questions. And I know you talk a lot about that asking, doing a check-in, how am I today? Have I, have I nourished myself today? And not just with food, but with relationships, what has brought me joy today? What has given me true nourishment where I feel rested and relaxed? 
has anything or has it just been go, go, go all day long? If it's been go, go, go all day long, then maybe it's time for me to do something <laughs> that's going to calm myself down, you know, cause that's, it's, we, we feel it in our bodies before we acknowledge it in our brains and we just, we just aren't trained. We haven't been taught how to do that. No, we haven't. And, and one of the things that I noticed during the pandemic is our resilience. Uh, everybody's mm. resilience really hit hit the floor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's okay when everything's going our way. Most of us can keep a good smile on our face, keep our head in a good space. And but when when the bottom find falls out, that's when we we don't know what to do. And I think that's one change that we're going to see in in mm-hmm. our approach to wellness is baby, we've been there. The mm-hmm. bottoms, the bottom fell out and we figured out what to do. And that gives me confidence that if you know, whatever happens, I know I can get through it. Yeah. I know that I can strategize and I know that there's some plans that I can put in place and I know that I can get through it. And I think that's what that self-care, you know, that used to be a luxury item. Oh, but it's not anymore. It's a necessity. It is. It's not a luxury. We all have to have it. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it's survival for so many people. I mean, for me, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned self-care because somebody said something to me, this is within the last six months or so like, oh yeah, you do such a good job taking care of yourself or self-care, you know, one of those kinds of phrases. And I was like, because I have to. I mean, there are things that I have put in place in my life for mental stability, because if I don't, I don't want to go back to how I used to be when I didn't care. And I've had to learn to accept it's that acceptance of, you know what? My brain is sensitive. I'm, I'm the sensitive chimp. <laughs> I'm the one looking out for danger. And so what do I need to do to protect myself and to make sure that my brain is nourished? And so maybe that means, you know, one thing that, I, that has been a trigger for me and I didn't realize for a long time, but gluten, gluten is something that definitely creates some ba- brain fog in me and creates kind of some anxious symptoms. So Okay. So I've eliminated that. I can have, I can have some of it here and there, but if I have too much of it cumulatively, especially if it's something like with sugar and then you add on alcohol and you add on dairy and some of these other things that my body just can't take in large doses, I I know I have my limit. And so I have to know that for me and my unique body, what's my limit. And that's self-care knowing what my limit is with food, with alcohol, with processed junk food, right. With exercise. And, you know, something we haven't talked about yet that I have found to be so helpful for myself. The last few months is using an infrared sauna and sweating. And that's a great time to be mindful. And luckily I work at a place where I'm able to have access to one, but I know that so many places now have sauna options, different gyms, different wellness centers, all of it. Um, I mean, and you, you know, that there are massive brain health benefits to sauna usage. So I wonder if you could speak to that. Well, you know, there definitely are. And and I also use an infrared sauna and I started using it for circulation Mm -hmm. because if I look at my DNA and we all do when we get older (laughs) and, you know, I realized what, what concerns do I have? Well, they're all, they're all circulation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had the cold feet and the cold hands and so I thought, ah, infrared sauna. Mm-hmm. And yes, it has improved that. But, you know, now I found that when I want to go is that when I'm feeling just a little, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling a little beat, 
that I, I just need some rejuvenation. And so the infrared sauna really rejuvenates my brain. And it's it just, I leave there with a peace. I leave there with a feeling of, of warmness and contentness that, you know, you can't buy that. Mm -hmm. There's nothing out there that, that can create that from within yeah. and the brain fog. And I think so many people, you know, those, we, there are different things that we try to use to eliminate brain fog, whether it's caffeine or whether it's mm -hmm. an energy drink or whether it's sugar. Um, and if we can just focus on creating that balance within our body, that's where our, that's where our energy comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing about infrared sauna, since you mentioned it, it does increase brain derived neurotrophic factor. I was recently reading an article about that, how it acts as an antidepressant, how it can decrease psychotic episodes for people who are predisposed to those. And I, and so I think that just doing something like that, where it's not even, it's not a workout, but you're sweating, you're getting your heart rate up a little bit, but you have time to be mindful. Like, you know, you're doing something for yourself. I, same as you, I come out feeling refreshed. I have a mood boost. It's like, I, I have so much mental clarity while I'm there, even though I hate the, just laying there in my own sweat part. I just don't <laughs> love that um, because it's, it's a lot of sweat, but afterwards it truly feels like a weight has been lifted off of me physically, mentally, you know, emotionally, all of that because of the release of toxins and the improvement in circulation, all of that. And so I think that's one wellness tool that we are going to see a lot more research popping up about in the next 10 years or so. What's another tool that you're seeing? I mean, I know you use plenty of really cool nerdy tools in your office, but what are, you know, like you mentioned biofeedback, but what else do you see popping up? Well, you in know, it, it's interesting because at the very beginning of the, of the show, I said, where's the brain? The brain's not getting enough mm -hmm. attention in this. And it's so interesting to me because the, the, the brain world in the last 10 to 15 years has had just exploded. Yeah, it has. It, it really has. Neuroscience has come into play. We appreciate it. We understand the importance of it and just training the brain. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's all kinds of brain training things that you can do on the internet. And there's research that says that, you know, that's not going to create change in the brain. It's exercise. It's exercise mm. for the brain. And yeah. that's the way that I look at it. And I know how much I need exercise for my body. I need that. Um, I get just very angry when I don't get to mm -hmm. move and yeah, the brain same. needs to move. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think just stop and ask yourself, how can I, what can I do to keep my brain working better? The brain loves to learn anytime you're learning some cool stuff is happening in the brain. It's rewiring. It's, mm -hmm. it's completely reorganizing. And even if it's something as simple as learning how to brush your teeth, instead of using your right hand, learn how to do it with your left hand. <laughs> you know, they say to learn a new language, but that just overwhelms me. I'm not yeah. ready for that. I know. <laughs> you know, I love the, how so many people have gotten crazy over these Wordle games. You know, there's Wordle, there's Quirtle. My eight-year-old is playing Nerdle, which is the math version. <laughs> um, but I mean, there's so many, everybody's, you know, they're posting about it on social media and they're, and I like that because it's like, okay, this is something that 
people are doing for their brain. They're working on, okay, what letter goes with what? And so I, you know, I can get so obsessive about things. I'm so competitive that I don't do it every day because I know myself, if I do one, I'm going to want to try to find another app to do another one and keep going. And then, you know, I have real stuff to do, but, (laughs) um, but I have enjoyed stretching my brain in different ways when I'm helping out even my eight-year-old who was doing some of these really advanced words on Quirtle, which is a hard one. Um, But I've enjoyed that because it's using my brain in a different way than I'm, than I'm used to. Absolutely. And, you know, for our listeners out there, if you, if you love to cook, maybe you've never cooked Thai food before, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. whatever it is that you truly love to do, what are you passionate about? How do you, how do you build into that? How do you expand that? And there's all, there's all kinds of ways to do it. I mean, and as hard as it is, and Erin, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of a PhD (laughs) program and that should be completed by the end of 2023. And there have been days where I just stopped and, and looked at myself and said, what were you thinking? <laughs> what, where did your brain go when you made that decision? Mm-hmm. But at the end of those days, once I, once I work past that, I'm like, yeah, but I'm still glad I did it. Because I'm learning in my brain every day. And, and I see my critical thinking, how my critical thinking has changed. Mm-hmm. And now, did I need to do a PhD program to do that? Absolutely not. I mean, we can all stop and think about how our critical thinking, yeah. what kind of process are we going through? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm, you know, I guess I, I would love to speak to this because I'm, I'm always wanting to learn. I'm always wanting to learn new things and grow and change. And so I think it is important. And I think, I think the problem is, is that so many people, and I find myself in this category too, we get stuck doing the same old, same old because we're tired, we're exhausted. And I think it, it's like, so how do we end the crazy cycle? You know, we know all these tools that we've mentioned, we know it's going to improve the fatigue. It's going to help us to not be exhausted. And, but what's the first step? How do we take a first step toward wellness? Well, you know, there's, I think the main thing is, is to really stop and think about it. I mentioned critical thinking, but what are you thinking about? Mm -hmm. You know, if you're thinking, I can't, I can't, it won't never does, you know, that's not, you don't have the right thoughts in place. So stop and and, and examine how you're thinking. And when people come in and say, well, I can't do that, you know, Um, and I'm like, well, how relevant is that to our conversation? Well, I don't know, you know, or, but I just can't do it. So stop mm-hmm. and ask yourself, why, why do you have that it goes back to that negative self-talk? Mm-hmm. And once you can create, you can capture those little ants, those automatic negative thoughts. They go through your head so fast and furious. You don't even know they're there mm-hmm. until you stop and you think, well, I was great 10 minutes ago. Why am I all angry now? Or why am I irritable now? It's because of a, a thought that you had in your head. And if you can stop and catch those negative thoughts, then you can start to focus on the positive. And that's what, to me, that's what wellness is all about. Mm-hmm. It's being the best you can be. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause I, and I think, 
everything starts from the brain. So if you don't have a regulated brain, if you aren't starting at the thought level first, you're not going to make good choices. It's physiologically impossible. You know, if you think about when our prefrontal cortex is not working (laughs) because we're stuck in that fear brain, we're stuck in the amygdala, then we can't make the changes. So we have to figure out ways to maybe take those mindful breaks, the, I mean, when I think about wellness, I think about mind, body, soul. I think about, are they connected? Are you connecting all parts of yourself in your life? Are you just going through the motions, not ever checking in? So I think that this has been such a good conversation. And I'm so glad that we got to do this. Any, any parting thoughts before we end? Well, just to, just to touch on what you said about the mind, body, spiritual, I mean, that spirituality, whether you believe in God or Buddha or Allah, (laughs) it's just that belief in that higher power. And that is so for wellness. I think that is such a key component. And that's certainly a, a great thought to leave people with. Yep, absolutely. Wellness is about so much more than running a mile, right? (laughs) There's a lot more that goes into it. Well, thank you for this conversation. This is great. Everyone, you can find Lee's information. Her show is In Your Head with Lee Richardson. Her website is thebrainperformancecenter.com or leerichardson.com. And you can find me at anywhere, all channels of anything at Sparking Wholeness or sparkingwholeness.com. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank you, Erin. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.